prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to the State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined by Tashawn Reed and Ted Wynn. Vic Tafer, he might have got swallowed up by Vegas. Uh, you know, I don't know. Hey, things happen in Vegas. Uh, we'll we'll see if he uh, he pops up along the line uh, somewhere here. But uh, let's talk about these Raiders. Things are not going great. Uh, one in three, three-game losing streak. Obviously losing 24-17 to the Chargers last week. And... Um, we will probably spend plenty of the show talking about uh, issues with uh, Josh McDaniels and this team, but I, I will at least start off by giving him credit for one thing. Thank goodness he started Aiden O'Connell instead of Brian Hoyer. Not that O'Connell was great by any means, um, but I, I certainly was was in a position where I'd much rather watch Aiden O'Connell last week than Brian Hoyer, and uh, thankfully he agreed. Um, but it uh, wasn't enough. He, he turned the ball over three times, and uh, and and the Raiders felt, found themselves in a big early hole that uh, they could not uh, get at, get themselves out of. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a wasn't a great debut for Aiden O'Connell, but I mean, we figured he was going to have some some growing pains. Um, he had a great preseason, but again, that was against mostly backups and a lot of guys that aren't on active rosters right now. And you know, even though the Chargers' defense hasn't hasn't been good so far this season, it's still an NFL caliber defense with starters out there, and so. Uh, it, it wasn't surprising. You know, some of the turnovers still, you you know, like, I mean, one of those fumbles, he really just dropped the ball <laughs> without anybody touching him. And then the last interception, I know there's some other things going on, but you just, you know, can't make that throw. But uh, really the only way for, for young quarterbacks or any quarterback really to work through those kind of growing pains is to play. You know, you need reps and practice just, or even preseason games. It just doesn't simulate you know, that live action and giving him an opportunity to go through that and, and work through those pains just just had way more value in that than throwing out Brian Hoyer to do whatever he was going to do against the Chargers. Like, I don't think he would have gave them any better chance of winning. Like, the outcome is probably the same. And so at least in, in, in this scenario, you got something out of it in terms of your your long-term future. The fact that, you know, O'Connell got them back into the game at, later on and, you know, had a couple opportunities to win it was worth it to start him and get, like you said, get him through those growing pains. And it was very encouraging to see him move the offense and clutch opportunities. Obviously, the interception was something that uh, you don't want to see, but it was kind of a one-throw type of play call. It was a rub route where it's kind of predetermined to either throw to him or throw it away. Obviously, we'd rather have him throw it away, but the Chargers defense did a good job of recognizing what that play was going to be, even though they ran that play, the exact same play in the previous goal line session, and nothing worked, so it's kind of a curious play call, especially with the fact that they probably should have ran the ball. And if Josh Jacobs did get tackled, they could have ran the uh, the clock down to the two minute warning. So there was a questionable play call. Aiden O'Connell still shouldn't have thrown the ball, but there was uh, it, it was a tough situation to put your rookie quarterback into. Yeah, I think what was obvious for O'Connell is that early in the game, like the speed of 
going up against starters. Like the speed of the game just seemed like it was like way too much for him. And he, he was struggling to kind of process uh, Khalil Mack was uh, unblockable in this game. Obviously six sacks. Uh, I think the only the fifth guy in NFL history to, to have six sacks in a game. It did seem like just he, he was not adapting well to the speed of the game. He played the preseason games, but like we said, he's playing with and against backups was encouraging that in the second half. I mean, he started, it, it things started to slow down for him. And I know a lot of fans are going to go out there and say like, eh, start him again ne- next week, uh, start him against the Packers. Um, but, you know, as Josh McDaniels already said, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo clears concussion protocol, he will be the guy out there. But it was nice to see that you did see it start to slow down a little bit and that he, he had some productive drives there in the second half. Yeah, I think the biggest thing trying to figure out was just pocket presence. Um, it, it, you know, looking at his time to throw, it really is about the same as Jimmy Garoppolo in the first three games of the season. But he just didn't seem to be aware of like when time was running out. You know, when, when Khalil Mack or whoever else the Chargers had getting pressure was closing in, and you know, even if nothing's downfield, those are situations where you either got to try to create with your legs or throw the ball away and, and move on to the next play. But you know, just taking all those sacks and all the lost yardage. Uh, it really just makes makes it hard to get those drives going. And again, that's a feel thing. That's something that like, you know, you can go through it on film as much as you want to. And but in practice, like there, there are no live reps in the preseason. There's nobody like Khalil Mack coming after you. And so, again, it just comes down to experience. And like you said, you know, even though Khalil, you know, did start off in the third quarter, like getting after him a lot again, like by the time that fourth quarter came, you know, he, he seemed to have a better, better feel for it. And also, I think the, the Raiders did a better job of designing up some some more quick hitting pass plays that didn't require him to hold the ball as long. And, um, you know, some of those dump offs to Josh Jacobs, he, you know, he had a big receiving day. Uh, I think that helped him kind of get more comfortable through that aspect. Yeah, just as far as the Khalil Mack sack situation and how he had six sacks and Josh McDaniel saying afterwards that they were what was the number that McDaniel put on put on this? He said uh, they had two bodies on it did he give a percentage i mean he didn't give it to he wasn't that specific he just said they did a lot of things yeah he said we hit him in the ribs we chipped him we you know did a whole bunch of other stuff but no no exact number on it he has a great motor we jammed him we chipped him hit him in the ribs we did everything we could try to do to disrupt him with another player and then we had a tackle obviously assigned to him as well he had a great day um yeah there were a number of snaps where there were multiple people assigned to him and him only and to be able to do some of the things that he did i mean give him credit ted do you want to pull out some receipts here yeah i mean i don't have the exact number on me but just i looked at how many times he got chipped and it was not very many i mean there were definitely times when they had an extra body on him but I wouldn't say that they had a game plan geared towards Mac and stopping Mac. And I can understand if you didn't have a game plan coming into this game to stop Mac because he had zero sacks beforehand. But after he sacked your quarterback three times, like you gotta, you know, adjust your game plan and, and do something. Add, you know, add some protection. You know, I, I was listening to uh, New Heights, the, the Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey podcast, and he, you know, he was talking about the situation. He was like, all right. You know, one sack, that's on me. Two sacks, uh, I guess that's on me. But by the third, fourth sack, I- I'd be furious if I didn't get, like, you know, some extra help. So, you know, obviously, Illuminor was struggling that game. And I just don't understand, you know, not having a chip every single time instead of just, you know, maybe once a drive or something like that. And you look back at a sack, especially when he, Khalil Mack actually had those sacks, he didn't have help. So... It's an odd thing to, um, to I guess, listening to the quote, I guess technically he didn't lie because he didn't give a, a 
a definitive we had a number, number of times. Yeah, because yeah, number. a number. There were a number of snaps. That, number that, that be, number was eight, maybe. Yeah, it could be eight. It could be four. It could be, but it was. Def- it definitely wasn't a big part of the game plan. That's for sure. Here's the problem. Who do they have to chip? Yeah, that's what like, I was going to say. Like, I mean, they, they, don't, they don't have a chipper. <laughs> yeah, like Michael Ma- Michael Mayer hasn't shown he's able to block so far. Austin Hooper, he once was a blocker, not really anymore. And so, I mean, I think they would rather get those guys out in routes, I guess is the explanation, but they aren't throwing them the ball either. So I guess it's, <laughs> you know, if, if, if you are going to throw it to the tight ends, you might as well have them chip, I guess. But yeah, I mean, you have to do something though. You can't just let him continue to just dominate you up front. It wasn't just Illuminor. I mean, Colton Miller, like on one of those fumbles, he just got pushed straight back into O'Connell. Like he was manhandling him too. So, you know, the Raiders offensive line, like while they're a lot of their like, you know, raw metrics, like they're they're pretty good in terms of like the a lot of amount of pressures that they allow and things of that nature. Like when it comes to those one on one matchups against premier, you know, pass rushers, like they're not that good. And so they need some help in those situations. And you can't just go an entire game just asking them to hold up against a guy like Khalil Mack when he's when he's rolling like that. Yeah, I mean, then there's really no excuse for them to not be prepared for Khalil Mack. I, we know that he hasn't been like the same guy that he maybe once was with the Raiders and early in his Bears days. But when he plays the Raiders, he is that same guy. He's played the Raiders three times uh, since joining the Chargers. Since joining the Chargers, he has 14 sacks. Nine are against the Raiders. Like over half of his career sacks with the Chargers are against the Raiders. He had a three sack game in Week One against them last year, uh, and then now the six sack game. I mean, so like he he gets he gets up for playing the Raiders, and that's kind of what you would expect. Joey Bosa didn't even play in that game, so I mean, like that, that's even more reason why you can just key in on Khalil Mack because you don't got to worry about one of the Bosa brothers. But you know, I mean, they they have the rookie uh, Tuli that's been playing pretty well. But yeah, I mean, you got to you got to key in on Mack in that situation, but. You know, even within that, like, you know, there were there were other reasons why the offense had another day where it really wasn't that good. I mean, the run game, I think Jacobs had a good game overall because of what he did in the pass game. But his rushing statistics still weren't efficient. I mean, he averaged something around three yards a carry um, in the game and they really couldn't get it going. And because they they fell behind because of some of those turnovers, uh, they, they couldn't really stick to the run. Um, and so we've seen that seen that issue continue and it's made them a, a pass first one dimensional offense. And. You know, I think that factored into, you know, the, essentially the game, the, the play that ended the game with the red zone interception was, you know, a lot of people are telling them, you know, run the ball there, but like they can't run the ball. <laughs> like, like it hasn't worked, <laughs> you know, so I mean, I guess they could hand it off three times and then go nowhere. But, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like it's not like their run game has been going or this is the run game that they had last year. And so I think that's something that they really got to like, until they figure that out. This offense just isn't going to be good. Like they just don't have the facilities in terms of the types of quarterbacks that they have or offensive line to just drop back and sling it every time. Like, it's just not how this team is built. And so if they can't figure out the run game, whether it's the red zone or driving the field, like this offense is going to have issues. Yeah. I mean, the the best way that they're able to get Josh Jacobs the ball right now is just with the check downs and and the passing game. The offensive line is just right now they're just having a real struggle getting any sort of push and if it was any game where they could start getting the running game going it would be against this Chargers defense which is among one of the worst run defenses in the league and they still couldn't really get any consistent push on them I guess this was a little bit better than what has happened in the last few games but I think it's pretty much a given that it's going to be a struggle getting uh, you know creating any holes for Josh Jacobs throughout the season 
You know, if we do want to look to some positives from this game, um, they did shut the Chargers out in the second half. They got their first turnover. Um, you know, they they were able to do some things defensively. I mean, Justin Herbert is only 13 of 24, 167 yards through the air. They sacked him twice. Like I said, they uh, Trayvon Merrick got that, uh, that first interception, the first turnover they've been looking for. I mean, so there were some positives to be taken out of that second half to, to see the defense be able to, to make some stops and, and give them a chance. I, I mean... What we saw at halftime, uh, it, it didn't look like this game was going to be a blowout down 24 to 7, um, but they, they were able to make it a game, and, and we, we got to give the defense a little bit of credit for that. Yeah, I thought honestly the last two weeks, like against both the Steelers and the Chargers, like the defense was okay. Like it Steelers wasn't, don't count, man. That, I mean, Steelers don't count. I mean, for this Raiders defense, I mean, like everything <laughs> counts. Like, no, no, no matchup is easy for these guys, but like, uh, I mean, they. I don't think they've been the, the primary culprit in these losses. I, I honestly think it's the offense. Like they put them in some really shitty situations. Like even the the twenty four first half points the Chargers got. I mean, a lot of those was they had two fumbles in their own territory and gave them short fields to layups to go score essentially. And, and you know the the Raiders. I mean, they they committed ten turnovers this year. That's, that's second in the league. They've given up the most points off of turnovers in the league. And so like the defense already is leaky and you're just making it worse by giving away these opportunities to other teams and half of those turnovers have come in their own territory and so i think the defense has gotten put in some rough spots like again they have their issues don't get me wrong like the pass rush is still not there um the secondary the, the tackling was really bad early on um the secondary has some lapses like on the on, on the play that actually ended the game jordan palmer running that double move on jacory and bennett got him to bite and, and that was that was all she wrote for that one but you know, I think the defense has been okay the last two weeks, but like the offense, like has just been awful so far this season. Like, you know, they're you know about you know mid pack in terms of yardage and things of those natures, but but they just can't put points on the board. They can't finish drives. They can't extend drives, and so it's really you know amplifying a pr- the pressure on a defense that already you know is is pretty talent deficient right now. Yeah, I agree. I think a takeaway from this game is that the defense was encouraging, especially. In, in the second half, getting multiple stops. And I believe they're one of the top teams as far as forcing three and outs. I thought Trayvon Morig played his best game as a Raider. He had that interception. He also has, also had a near interception in the uh, in the first half in, in the red zone. Uh, he, he was pretty good in run support. Tyree Wilson looked a little bit better. I mean, there's still snaps where he's just getting off way too late and then getting zero push. But... There were a few snaps where you saw that power that you know that the Raiders drafted him for, and he got a really nice push on a few on a few snaps, and that's a encouraging sign because he was you know doing nothing um, beforehand. Uh, I thought a few of the defensive tackles had good games. There were some encouraging signs for defense for sure, especially against a Chargers offense that um, has been playing like one of the top units in the league as far as. Of scoring points, and we we know that Justin Herbert's um, an elite quarterback, so that was good to see and, and encouraging to see. We'll see if they could bring it into um, this game against the Packers. All right, so they're sitting at one and three. We always kind of talked about the start of this season. The the first four games here was going to be uh, was going to be a tough stretch. Like although really like for for the tough stretch that we thought it was going to be, that kind of factored in thinking that playing at Denver and the opener was going to be a tough game and, and having Pittsburgh was going to be a tough game. And obviously those are, are teams that especially Pittsburgh offensively is, is just pretty terrible. And um, they lost that game. So how do we feel about this team at, at one and three? Do we feel any differently about them than we did uh, going into the season? And, and look, somebody has joined us, Vic. We found him roaming around the streets of Vegas. He, uh, we, uh, I think he was up on a rooftop somewhere. We, we got him down. Uh, what's going on, Vic? 
Wow, it's quite descriptive on a rooftop somewhere in Vegas. Um, I apologize. The, the, the schedule got me uh, got me thrown off, so uh, my apologies. But uh, you asked them if we thought uh, the Raiders were what they thought they were. I mean, I thought they'd be one and three, so um, I'm not sure I, I envisioned the offensive problems. I thought they'd be better offensively. I thought the defense might be even worse than it has been, so I guess maybe that's a, that's a wash. But um, I think clearly we thought Jimmy would be a little better than he has been. I think we probably thought Josh Jacobs would not be getting uh, stuffed every every occasion. So um, it's a big three games. I think these three games coming up are all winnable. I mean, our fans roll their eyes when I say that, but they are. So I think if they are going to have anything to be you know, proud about this season, it's got to start uh, this week. Yeah, I'm not really surprised at all by like, the record. That's about what I expected as well. But, yeah, the nature of how they lost has been a little surprising. I mean, the offense is, again, it's just – I mean, it's been one of the worst in the league in terms of putting points on the board. And I, th- I thought they took a step back at quarterback. Like, I wasn't expecting, you know, the run game to fall apart and them to basically not use any receivers besides Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. And so it's been a weird way to get there. But, I mean, the result is about, you know, what we thought it would be for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you, you guys said, I the offense is the most, to me, it's the most disappointing. I mean, you know, you have all these star players josh jacobs Devonte adams and they haven't scored they're one of the few teams that haven't scored over 20 points in a game yet and you know knowing what we know now that the broncos defense is you know not even at a debate bottom of the league defense and they couldn't score over 20 against them that's pretty discouraging i mean i think they they are figuring some things out but i mean i knew the running game would take a step back especially with teams not respecting Garoppolo's deep ball, but them to get zero push on the offensive line is is pretty surprising. The defense, you know, we were encouraged by what they were doing in, in the preseason, but we definitely have, well, I, you know, I definitely have some questions about whether the defensive tackles were for real. And you know, so far we haven't seen that interior pressure that we, we've seen in the, the preseason so far. So, you know, like I said before, I think there were some encouraging signs by, in that Chargers game by the defense. But, yeah, it's been uh, pretty much the same type of defense that we, we've seen for, for years now. All right, well, let's look ahead to Monday night, taking on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, big question, obviously, going into the weekend still is, is what will be the status of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, it was kind of a weird situation last week where he, he was in the concussion protocol but did practice uh, the last two days of the week, which... Generally, if a guy is in the concussion protocol and is able to be out there and practice, we figure they're progressing to the point where uh, they will be able to clear protocol and, and be able to play. So like, you would think that it's just kind of a natural, all right, yeah, he's going to clear protocol by Monday and be able to play. But last week, I think, was was fairly surprising that he didn't. We found out on Saturday he wasn't going to travel to L.A. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Vic, any sense? I know last week you were pretty confident as of Thursday morning that he was going to play. Um does it still remain a mystery, or do you feel like uh, it should be pretty certain that he's able to get it back out there on Monday? Yeah, I'm going to go back on what I was thinking last week. I think um, I think Jimmy was surprised he didn't play. I thought he thought he was going to play himself, so I would imagine he thinks he'll play this week. I think um, yeah, he has a lot more time now to kind of get past that last hurdle on the concussion protocol. So you, know, you mentioned he is practicing, which is a very positive sign. There's an extra day now. The game is Monday. National TV, I'm sure you know, female viewers want to see his pretty face on TV, so that's probably a factor also. But uh, <laughs> you, you, I don't know what that means. That's what the doctors uh, judge exactly. like. We got we got to make the, the viewers happy. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, who knows? So what do I know? But um, 
I think he'll play, but um, obviously I think Aiden O'Connell showed enough where they have confidence that he could actually, you know, not be too bad if uh, if he is the option. Yeah, I mean, specific word in McDaniel's used yesterday was, you know, he's in the final stages, um, which I guess, you know, we could say he was last week as well. Um, when he came back and practiced on Thursday and Friday as a limited participant, he was limited again on Wednesday. And so it seems like he has to make that transition to being the fool before they actually give him the green light to go. Like what the actual final step for him is, like we don't really know that yet. But, you know, I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't go, especially like Vic said, would it be an extra day and being on Monday? And kind of the stakes of this game, like I'm sure he's he's pushing pretty hard to play. Obviously, it's not really up to him or or even the team. It's, you know, the doctor, you know, as we saw with uh, the Seahawks and Jamal Adams, sometimes those doctors don't exactly do what the player wants in these situations. So got to got to wait and see, um, you know, what the final determination comes down to. Yeah, it seems like the league has taken concussion protocol even a little bit more seriously than they have in the past Um Usually when a player is out for, I mean, this season, it, it seems rare that the, the next game they actually play in. And it seems like every time a player does get pulled for a concussion check, they end up going out now. So I, that's good to see. If you guys were to put a percentage on it, what uh, what percentage do you guys think Garoppolo is playing? Uh, 75. I'll go 75. 93. You got to be more specific. Von Miller said there's a 94.5% chance that he's going to play on Sunday. We got we to gotta get the percentage points in wow. there. Wow, my bad. 93.2. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I mean, but I, I do agree. I, we probably should do a study on that. It seem, it does seem like, it, you know, that's kind of why Ted and I, I think last week, we're both, or with maybe Deshaun and I, they both thought that he wasn't going to play um, because uh, it just seems like if you get if you enter the concussion protocol, it's almost a guarantee that you miss that next game, um, and and which is probably the responsible thing to do, even if uh, Garoppolo wasn't happy about it. But um, obviously, the other the big storyline about this game is Devontae Adams facing his former team, and uh, it would probably be a little bit more dramatic if this game was back in Lambeau. Um, you know, whenever that time comes that Devontae does play a game back there, that'll certainly uh, bring about some emotions. But um, yeah, Matt Schneidman, our Packers beat writer, who obviously was a former uh, Raiders writer for the uh, Barry and News Group here. Uh, he, he's in town early and, uh, and talked to Devontae, asked him some questions at the podium. And, and Devontae basically acknowledged that. Had the Packers come with a better initial offer than the lowball offer that they um, gave him, that he would have stayed in Green Bay. He wouldn't have demanded that trade that he demanded last year that brought him to Las Vegas, which... Uh, Probably not surprising, but uh, you know, certainly was interesting to hear him talk about it. What's your sense of how Devontae is going to approach this game? I know he, you know, there's not a whole lot of players that he played with on the other side, but it is a coaching staff, and and like he said on Thursday, um, seeing that green and gold out there on the other side, it's the only team that he's never played against in the NFL. I think it'd be more of a fun experience for him, and probably more like you know, quote unquote, important if the Raiders are doing well. I think the Raiders have had so many issues this year that he's become kind of the face of the franchise after games. Every game he's talking about his frustration and why he can't score and, you know, the urgency and not having 11, 11 guys on the same page on certain plays. So I think he's clearly really frustrated. I think that has to be probably his focus rather than, you know, playing against his old team. I think he has to get this thing figured out and get some points on the board because, like we mentioned, if not, it's going to be a long season. So I think um, – I'm sure he'll enjoy – I think he and Matt LaFleur had a good relationship. I'm sure he'll enjoy going against him and – some of the other guys he was there with. But uh, for me, I think it's not really that big a deal this week because the Raiders are struggling and because he is the guy, you know, Josh Jacobs on offense, they got to get this thing turned around and, and kind of lead the way. So I think that's probably his primary focus, and he can't really enjoy the nostalgia too much because of what's uh, what's going on. 
Yeah, there's probably a little bit of extra juice to. I mean, obviously he wants to win anyway, but especially against you know his first time playing against his former team. Um, you know, even if he does have good relationships with them, I think just he's a competitive guy, and, and and naturally like those kind of situations bring that out of you a little bit more. You know, I know it's not in Green Bay, but we'll see what this crowd is looking like. I mean, Packers Packers fans travel pretty well. Vegas is notorious for having pretty strong road crowds. It's a prime time game, so it might be. Might be a good amount of Packers fans in there, you know, to make it feel like it's, you know, him going back to his old place a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the primary concern for the Raiders isn't really a revenge game or anything of that nature. It's, you know, not falling into a one in four hole, which I think we all would probably agree would, would send them on the path of no return this season. I think there's a little bit of that revenge factor for Devontae Adams. They, you know, it was a struggle for him to try to get paid over there and obviously he didn't end up getting the contract he wanted because he's a Raider now. But I think the crowd is going to be a factor. I mean, do you guys notice a lot of Packers jerseys walking around Vegas, Vic or Deshaun? Because, uh, I mean, dude, for the Raiders to have to go to a silent count at home is obviously a, a big factor in these games. That's, I mean, you know, playing at home, part of the home field advantage is the other team has to go to a silent count. But when you're on a silent count, that just is a a big disadvantage you're not supposed to have playing at home. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been in, in on the strip streets or anything like that, so I don't know. But I'm sure there'll be plenty of them there. I mean, Probably too early. It'll, yeah, it'll, they'll cut yeah. them in over the weekend. Yeah, I don't know who's spending a full week in Vegas or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, the uh, I mean, the Steelers crowd was, was pretty deep, you know, and the Packers traveled in similar ways. So I would expect it to be the same. It's really... It's, Teams aside, like, that's just how Vegas is now. I mean, you know, you got, as a Raiders fan, you have, you know, eight or nine games a year that you can cr- try to come see the Raiders play at Allegiant Stadium. But these opposing teams, they have one one time a year. And so they're going to be more um, inclined to spend money on those tickets and, and, you know, pay triple the value on Ticketmaster or whatever it is. And so this is one of the things. I mean, the money the money is all the same, I guess, for Mark Davis and the team, but it definitely um, impacts them on game days. Yeah, if you're a Raider fan, people say, hey, don't sell tickets to the opposing team. That sounds nice, but, I mean, these prices are pretty high. You're going to get a lot of money for it, so it's hard to, like, take the high ground and say, no, I have to stay loyal and I can't sell my tickets to the Packers fans because, uh, you know, money is money. So I think there will be probably. My guess is two-thirds. Two-thirds of the crowd Monday will be Packers oh, fans. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I think it's a, it's a Monday night game. Like you mentioned, people come out here for the big weekend. So, um that's my guess. And I think Raider fans, obviously, right now, we, we see it in the social media, in the comments, uh, very frustrated. They're definitely, um, they're not optimistic, I would say, about things turning around. So I can't imagine they would hold on to tickets too tightly if they have a chance to sell them on Monday for a huge profit. And you got to remember, the way the stadium was built, you know, moving into a new city, uh, you know, a lot of ticket brokers bought these seats, or a lot of people that just, like, I'm not a Raiders fan, but hey, new stadium coming in, I'm, I'm going to be able to make money selling these tickets. So it's it's not even just as simple as telling Raider fans not to sell because Raider fans might want to hold on to their seats. But if 25% of the, the tickets are held by brokers and that type, those people are just going to sell. But but Vic, uh, you know, we saw the scene in, in L.A. last weekend uh, in, in front of Mark Davis's little kind of suite that was outdoors. And and I'm blaming you for that because uh, you, you wow. did kind of you, – you did kind Wow. You gave people the, uh, the blueprint to it if they want to – Get the Raiders to move on. Get Mark Davis to move on from Mark Davis. After <laughs> Josh McDaniel was was to let Mark Davis hear about it, oh, and, and and they, I think they took took your word for it, and they went up to his suite and let him hear about it. Wow, that hurts, man. Um, well, 
I believe I'm trying to think back to what I actually said. I think I said about home games. I guess the LA is kind of a home game. It is a home game. It's supposed to be a safe, a safe zone for Mark Davis. LA is supposed to be like you know, kind of relaxed. And I'm not sure why he was outside. He's sitting outside in his, in his little uh, VIP booth. I'd be, I would stay inside, but um, well, it's not accessible. But um, yeah, one fan, like it was just one fan. I think it was just one. It was guy. a couple. It was a couple different videos. There was a little group. As a group, all right. I mean, uh, they may have been a little overzealous. They may have been a little aggressive. I mean, um, what? Smarten up, Vic. Uh, Smarten up. Smarten up, yeah. You gotta smarten up. You gotta be a little better with your chance. I was trying to figure out what that meant, like smarten up. Is he trying to say like see the big picture, or like you're not, you know, give him time, or like you know the patience factor. You know? But the more I think about it, knowing Mark, I think it's just like, hey man, if you're gonna come at me, you gotta do better than that. I mean, smarten up and use, you know, for McDaniel. I mean, you gotta be a little more, uh, a little more poetic. You know? But um, yeah, I guess I gave him the blueprint. I, I apologize to Mark Davis if that's true. But um, are Raider fans gonna show worse. up at the WNBA Finals to uh, to heckle him now? No, that's, that's a sanctuary. You can't, you can't go there. That's the, that's the one good thing they have going. So, um, you know, I mean, like I said, fans are frustrated. They need me to egg them on. They've been frustrated for uh, with the new regime since pretty much since, since it got here, I think. So, I mean, there was a lot of high hopes last offseason with Devontae coming in and the whole Derek Carr reunion and the offense is going to be great and all the things that Josh and Dave said about uh, Derek and the offense and didn't happen. So I think they're clearly frustrated. I think they would have probably, I'm guessing, yelled at Mark, even if I hadn't suggested that was possibly a way to go. But, um, hey, man, it's a long season. We'll see what happens after they uh, win on Monday. Ooh, well, that's a tease of the prediction. We're gonna, we'll get to that in a minute, but I do want to talk about, I think you wrote about the uh, the rookie class, and you prefaced the story, I think you said five times, including in, in all caps, it's early. But let's pull up the numbers that the, uh, that the, the rookie class has combined for statistically. That's like when someone says, you know, no offense intended, and then he's ripping to shreds. Like, yeah, you know, but it's so basically that's what I was doing. It's kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a device. It's zero sacks, 16 solo tackles, one catch for two yards, 37 yards rushing, and one touchdown. Obviously, that quarterback sneak from uh, from our guy Aiden O'Connell. That's what the, this rookie class hey, is. Hey, man, you know, they're going to take away my man O'Connell's yards? Like, what's, what's up with his, where's his passing? We got his yards. Yard. Well... Yeah, okay, well, we, we, we could have thrown the passing yards in there. But we got his rushing yards in there, his three yards rushing. Oh, man. I could have mentioned that. I, was, I thought I was being nice. I had mentioned that uh, only one pressure. Terry Wilson's got only one pressure this season so far, which is uh, not very good. So, um, again, though, I, I think the Raiders would say you know, I th- it's a process. You know, it's a, it's a learning curve. I mean, Terry obviously came off a foot surgery and he missed most of camp so those are valid excuses that's why it is early but you'd like to see some more usage especially like if you know michael mayer in the red zone because they can't score in the red zone why not throw it to the guy you picked in the second round you'd like to see you know some more dynamic flashes from from terry wilson and even Byron young Byron young's a pretty high pick for a guy you know you should have a role if you pick him you know, when they picked him he's kind of going the other direction so um uh, we'll see what Nesta, Nesta's a late-round guy who played last week for the first time. Maybe he's the guy who can give him a spark. But clearly, um, we all heard the mandate before this year was, okay, it's not about wins and losses necessarily. We're going to try and win, but we're, we're taking a long view, blah, 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 blah. The main thing is we're going to focus on the young guy, the draft picks, you know. Uh, Mac and Gruden, they stuck at this. We're going to do well. We're going to get good draft picks. We're going to play, have impact. And that has not been the case through through four games. Is there any chance that they accidentally drafted the wrong Byron Young? Because the uh, the other Byron Young that went to the Rams like nine picks later is doing pretty good. Did they just submit the wrong name? I would say yes, but he's the outside guy, isn't he? So I'm not sure after picking Tyree, he didn't go outside again. 
that early in the draft, but maybe. Who knows with the Ravens? You never know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, amongst the rookie class, really the only one that you could say has been impressive so far is Jacorian Bennett. Like, I think, you know, he's had some bad moments where he, you know, has defensive pass interference plays and gives up some some catches, but I think he's been solid, you know, as a starting cornerback, and he's a, he was a day-one starter for them, and his snaps went down last week, but that seemed to be more injury-related. You know, he was limited going into the game, and then He's been listed with a couple injuries this this week, and so I don't think it was performance based. But outside of him, um, you know, obviously that's nice if you get a, a starting cornerback out of a fourth round pick. But the rest of it, you're getting pretty much nothing right now, you know, except for O'Connell's one start. And so, you know, not not every rookie is going to be an instant hit. Maybe these guys come on strong at the end of the season or going into year two, but. Definitely not a promising start when you combine it with, you know, the lack of production that they got from last year's draft class. I mean, you know, Dylan Parham was really the only guy that emerged as a, as a major contributor amongst that class. I know it was, it was smaller because they made the Devontae Adams trade, but you still had some capital to work with. And so overall, you know, the returns from their, from their draft picks just, you know, haven't been what you would, would hope for them to be, um, you know, coming off of a run of some pretty terrible draft in the last few years. I thought this was going to be a possibility, and we talked about this on the pod, that right after the draft, that this draft was kind of for next year. I mean, you know, it's just not a lot of instant contributors in this draft. I mean, Tyree was a project. Michael Mayer is a tight end where he needs to be a good blocker to be effective, and usually those type of tight ends take a year to to develop in the league. Ja'Cory Bennett has been a nice surprise. Um, I, I think he's playing really good for a rookie um, I know he had, he gave up that big catch at the end, but I really thought he had good coverage and there was a little bit of a push off there. You know, we see Trey Tucker's speed translate. I mean, he hasn't produced yet, but I mean, teams, you know, his, his speed translates. You know, he's going to, I think he's going to be a contributor for this team at, at some point this season. But, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be, you know, get, he's going to get 800 yards and be that strong of a contributor just yet. So the all, all these picks are... I just want to catch. Give me. I just want one catch. That's all I want. One catch. But shit, he only got one. He only got one target. I mean, shit, it's hard for him to get it. I'm not blaming him. I'm blaming obviously the usage. I just think that to have the, the trouble they've had offensively, and not have him get some targets, or not have Michael Mayer get some targets, I think is is pretty bizarre. I think Mayer will get three catches this next game. I think they'll they'll, they'll wow. I think they'll try to get him the ball. I mean, I don't know how many yards. It might be three catches for ten yards, but I think he'll get. Uh, I think he'll get three catches this game. All right, well, let's make some predictions. Vic already has them with a big Monday night win. Uh, you want to go first, buddy? Actually, I lied. I picked them in. Uh, I picked the Packers to win in my picks, so uh, I was wow. trying to get kid away with my my false enthusiasm. Smarten up. I, I'm gonna, that's why I'm, I'm making the real pick. I'm smarting up. Um, <laughs> I just think there's bad matchups in this game. I think that, again, I said the Raiders' defense is not as bad as I thought they were going to be. Not, but this game is not built well for them. I think Aaron Jones is a really bad matchup. I think the Various linebackers are not very good. And Devon Diablo's fine, but I think Spillane's been kind of a bust so far. I think, um, plus the defensive tackles mentioned not been, not been good. So even A.J. Dillon can get going in that running game. So uh, I think the running backs are a huge problem. I think Christian Watson is probably finally healthy. He's dangerous deep. I don't, and I think Jordan Love can get around and, and can escape. The, if, if there is pressure, he can escape it and make a play with his feet. So all those things, I think, do not bode well. For the Raiders' defense, I think like we've mentioned the Raiders' offense have a hard time keeping up. So I do think it'll be a close game, but I think the Packers are going to win by like uh, twenty-seven to twenty-four. Yeah, I, I think they're going to lose again. Um, I think the offense scores twenty points for the first time, but uh, they, they'll lose twenty-seven to twenty um, to the Packers. I just think 
uh, while the Packers defense has had some some holes in it, particularly against the run, like we've seen with the Raiders so far this season, that hasn't seemed to matter if they go against a bad run defense or not. Like they haven't been able to find success and, and the Packers pass defense is, is pretty good. And so I think it'll be the offense will eventually get to 20, but I don't think it'll be a fast start or anything of that nature. And, you know, the Raiders defense is what it is. I mean, the, the Packers offense hasn't exactly been setting the world on fire, but they do have a good good rushing attack uh, when healthy. Um, and Jordan Love seems like he's a at least a competent starter in the league. And Matt LaFleur is obviously a, a great play caller as well. So I think they lose this one and fall to one and four. And then we get a lot more of those uh, those chants that Mark Davis was, was getting. I think the one big weakness on this Packers defense is their run defense, 21st in defensive run success. But the problem is that the Raiders can't run the ball and they can't take advantage of that weakness. The Packers coming off a week where their head coach Lafleur was talking about, like they have to do something different as far as their run defense, so they might make some adjustments anyways this week. That's going to make it tougher for the run game to get going. Pass defense, they're pretty good. They're 12th in defensive EPA per drop back, and I think they're going to make it a major point not to get Devonte Adams going uh, because of that, you know, quote unquote revenge factor. I just don't see the Raiders doing much offensively and on the defensive side of the ball Jordan Love has been really bad in the first two halves of the last two games but then you know he's missed wide open guys um, and then in the second half he starts hitting all the hard passes uh, so to me he, he seems like a young quarterback that really needs to get hit to get kind of into the game um, so I think they might come off to a slow start but I think they'll get things going in the second half, uh, especially in a passing game. So uh, I think Packers is going to take this 27 to 20. Packers have been a little bit of that Jekyll and Hyde team where you've seen them, you know, they came out strong on the opener and then they've had, you know, kind of some some weird games, obviously, last week with the Lions. I think the Raiders are not good, but I, I said early in the season that I think they're, they're go. going to be a little bit Let's here, go. up Let's and do down. Let's go. Flip it. The, Big game for the Carlson brothers. We're going to get three three field goals for Daniel Carlson, two for Anders Carlson. Daniel Carlson with the game-winning field goal, 23-20. The Raiders wow. top 20 points for the first time. and they the, So it's, it's three field goals for Daniel Carlson and two touchdowns for Devontae Adams in a 23-20 win. Oh, wow. That was well done. That Back well on done. track. I like that. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back next week, and uh, we'll see how the Raiders fare against the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football. Later. All right, guys. Wind up. Country roads take me home to the place I belong.